And now, the Criterion Break with Andy and Blake. Greetings and salutations, everyone, and welcome to an all new episode of the Criterion Break with Andy and Blake. I am the first half of that hosting duo, Andy, the resident fat dude of Fat Dude Digs Flicks, joined as always by my outstanding, my my vibrant, my uh, uh, intelligent uh, man of the people co-host, Blake Ginnith. And Blake, how you doing, buddy? I am having a fantastic holiday. What about you? Oh my God, it is nice. It is so nice to just be like, I get an extra day and then I only have to work four days this week. That is wonderful. And I am, I am doing absolutely nothing and I love it. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, I, I, um, I haven't watched anything today other than my daughter uh, tear apart our uh, living room. So that was fun. <laughs> I feel, you know, I feel similar. I don't have a child, but I do have two cats uh, and a dog. And uh, uh, my girlfriend now has taken the dog for a walk. And I have the two cats uh, kind of running uh, 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 amok around the house mm. right now, tearing things apart. So that'll be and fun. They're young, up. Oh, yeah. They're young, they're young cats too, right? I mean. Yeah. So there's yeah. one cat that's like almost 10. So, so he's, he's older. But the other one is just under a year old, and oh oh my God, the energy that she has—it's—it's a lot. (laughs) Was that the was that the one causing problems on the backlot show the other week? Yes, it was. So she jumped. uh, I have so the way my my movie room is set up, I have a bunch of my my bookcases with movies, but I have like a half bookcase that currently has my horror movies in it. Uh And she jumped on top of that and jumped from that to the very top of my Criterion bookcase, which is an eight-shelf mm. bookcase with, like, a makeshift ninth shelf on top with my box sets. And she yeah. jumped on top of the box sets. And I was like, nope, this is it. We're taking a moment. I got I to gotta, I gotta save these movies. Super so. funny. <laughs> I was glad that they didn't cut that out because... <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed that bit, honestly. It's, it's nice to kind of have those... Uh, uh, genuine moments that happen so yeah that was that was fun that was a fun episode uh but she is currently free to kind of roam about the house right now uh so hopefully she does not uh provide us with mid-podcast entertainment because i won't cut it out here either (laughs) do you have the door like can she get in she can get in. She can get in. And that's mostly because her litter uh, is in here. Oh. We, have, we have litter downstairs, too. But when she's kind of able to run around, uh, we don't like her to go downstairs because she can, like, get in all these nooks and crannies. And uh, we're, not, yeah. we're not ready to lose her yet. So. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, yeah, she, she's able to come in here. But I think uh, she wants to just annoy her brother right now. So they're in the living room kind of playing around. Mm. It looks like they're actually laying down. So this might be a really peaceful two hours. I, I, you will see. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, let's kind of get started with that for for anyone who is new 
to the Criterion Break. The Criterion Break is a podcast where two movie lovers, myself from Fat Dude Digs Flicks and Blake uh, from Backlot 605, uh, we, we get to share our appreciation and affection for all things Criterion, be that the collection proper or the Criterion channel. Uh, usually our shows start off with us talking about some movies we've been watching, then we'll dive into some new releases, either coming to the physical collection or to the channel, and then we will address our main topic at hand. Our main topic this week is Blake's Mount Everest title, which is the uh, Belarusian, Belarusian classic uh, from 1985, Come and See. So hang with us. We've got a heck of a discussion ahead of us, but we'll start off like we always do with what we've been watching. Blake, what have you had the opportunity to watch lately? Oh, right. Uh, so I only have one movie to talk about um, today. Uh, I finally got to watch... Um, Kelly Reichard's Certain Women, which um, has sort of been like another like Mount Everest in a way. I ha- I could I just it's, it hasn't been available to stream. Um, and when it came on the uh, channel uh, last month, I believe I finally got I finally just knocked it out on a Saturday night. And um, have you seen this movie? I have not. Uh, and when I read that you watched it, I really wanted to find a. A way to fit it in but i yeah. kind of i kind of forgot about it so it's it's pretty excellent um yeah. th- I, this is my third bright card movie because i've seen meek's cutoff and um wendy and lucy both both yeah. really really enjoyed that um but anyway um, women came out in 2015 2016 around that time and it's about it's th- it's three separate stories and in a way, it's kind of four, but it's uh, about three different women whose lives sort of intersect in this small man- Montana town. Uh, the first story was Laura Dern as a lawyer, and she uh, is involved with this case uh, about this man who is trying to sue a company out of um, insurance money that he believes he is entitled to. That man's played by Jared Harris, and Jared Harris is pretty great in this movie, I thought. Um, but, it, you know, uh, it eventually it comes down to like a hostage situation and she has to, you know, sort of work with this guy to, you know, not get himself killed or her kill or herself killed. Um, I thought it was the weakest of the three stories. Um, the, the second story involves Michelle Williams, who seems to be like a, a long stalwart for uh, Reichard. She, this is her, at least her third movie with uh, Kelly Reichard and her story involves her and I believe her husband, um, played by James LaGrosse, who's one of those... Uh, James LaGrosse is one of, like, one of my favorite char- character actors. And he's just, he sort of shows up and you're like, oh, man, that, that, I love this guy. But uh, him and her are, are trying to like buy, I believe, some property from this old man. Um, I don't know the actor's name, but he played, the, he played one of the aliens in Deep Space Nine. He just passed away. Uh, earlier this year, last year, so Rene something. He's a, I believe, he's like uh, a French. Can- uh, Aubrey, Aubrey, oh gosh, Rene Aubergeonet or Jonas, yeah, something yeah. like that. So yeah. He, yeah, yeah. So he's in it, and uh, they're trying to buy property from him. And um, uh, so her story is a little better than 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 um, Laura Dern's. Um, her story is a little more oblique than 
um, the other two are. There's a, a little less like resolution or um, a general understanding of what exactly is happening. And I, 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 I really, I liked it, like, liked it, uh, sorry, liked that a lot about it, yeah. but um, it, it didn't quite land with me. The final story involving um, uh, Kristen Stewart, I'm gonna have to pull up the IMDB for the, for the name here. I believe her name is, um, let's see here, Lucy, Lily Gladstone. Okay, okay. so the, the third story involves uh, a, 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 a woman named Lily Gladstone. She is like this rancher girl. She works for this family out in the middle of nowhere. And she is uh, taking care of like their horses and their cattle. And uh, th- her story takes place in like a very cold time of the year. And um, she eventually goes into town one night and ends up at the the school uh, where a um, a lawyer is giving uh, a class on law to local uh, residents and how to you know better able to protect themselves in case something happens or how they can go after someone uh, just the proper channels of how to do that. And Lily Gladstone goes into this class, and the teacher who happens to be the uh, instructing the class that night is Kristen Stewart. Um, I love Kristen Stewart. I think she's a fantastic actress. But this whole story belongs to Lily Gladstone, who I, I don't remember ever seeing before. Sure. And I thought she was just incredible. And Lily basically falls for uh, Kristen Stewart. And Kristen Stewart doesn't really understand, doesn't see that at first. And uh, Kristen Stewart's character uh, drives four or five hours, every, not every night, but twice a week to teach this class. And then, you know, teach class and then drive back four or five hours to her home. So um, uh, the Gladstone character, like, they start meeting after class and having dinner and just, you know, talking. And it's clear that Gladstone has this thing for Stuart. But she's so introverted. And I don't want to say, yeah, I guess you could say she's socially awkward. She doesn't know how to, like, she, she doesn't know how to approach her, you know, um, her crush and that might have to do also with the fact that they live in a smaller town it's 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 not as maybe okay there for someone to be open about their sexuality in a way and um i'll just leave off by saying gladstone one one night decides to drive to stewart's hometown to meet up with her and um yeah the results are quite something uh i think this it was a good idea to sort of end the movie with this story um it just it really lands it, it really landed home with me how uh emotional everything that happened was and uh it, it made me love the movie more than I actually kind of maybe was before that but yeah i i, I really want to go back and rewatch this because i there's I, I know there's just things that i missed little emotional beats or little character stuff that i, I probably didn't pick up on but I, I i think i gave it four stars i really really enjoyed the movie overall nice I, I i as you were talking about it i i grabbed it off my shelf because uh let the drinking games begin this is one that i own that i've never had a chance to watch yet um and i it just it always has sounded incredibly interesting to me are, are the stories intertwined or are they are they separated they, they intertwine um so the first the first story begins with laura dern sort of at a, a hotel 
um, and she's just gotten done, you know, with the sexual rendezvous with sure. the James, the James LaGrosse character. But you don't know that James LaGrosse is, you know, involved with Michelle Williams until Michelle Williams comes in. So all the stories are essentially, you know, their own thing. Right. And then, and then after the Lily Gladstone character, uh, the, after the Gladstone Stewart thing, uh, Gladstone sort of like runs into Dern, and, and they don't actually like ever talk or meet, but they they're involved in the same physical setting. Yeah. And then after that, there's a little more with the Dern stuff, and so it becomes a little more intertwined after the Gladstone sure. story. But other than that, they are like three separate entities interesting yeah, yeah i uh when when i like i said when i saw that you had watched this i really wanted to to push it up my list but i think with uh, so much going on i kind of forgot but now i've i've pulled it off my shelf i have it sitting right here so maybe within the next couple of weeks i'll be able to fit that in because yeah. yeah i would i would really uh i think this is something that i really enjoy and i think that uh uh, you've done a, a pretty good job, and knowing knowing that you liked it makes me want to, to get to it even sooner. Uh, was that the only uh, kind of Criterion related movie you were able yeah, to watch? Yeah, it really was. Yeah, yeah, and I think we'll we'll kind of maybe address one we of will. the reasons for that later on. We will because <laughs> because yeah. we like I like to I like to cross promote stuff here. Yeah, we um, have to. <laughs> uh, but I was able to watch one uh, other title as well, and it's not in the Criterion uh, collection proper, but it is on the channel, and it is one that you brought up on our last episode, and that mm. is Baccarat, the oh, okay. uh, kind of genre-mixing uh, movie about this small village that is kind of, uh, it's it's it's... It's in the future, but it's not like super futuristic, I guess is the no. best way to kind of describe what's happening. So they're in this small village. Um, this village is, is running out of water or not getting access to water. And it feels like there's someone who's in control of the water. So they have to kind of, uh, you know, just, just get water kind of trucked into them every so often. And uh, there's this like, domestic terrorist or someone who's being kind of touted as a domestic terrorist who is kind of uh kind of like a robin hood of of uh for the people of this village who kind of helps goes after the corrupt and uh uh kind of helps keep them afloat um but all of a sudden this village like starts to it, it disappears from maps it's like it's been completely erased from from maps and they're very very separated and isolated um they're kind of losing like cell phone signal it's just slowly being erased mm -hmm. and as the story goes along it's one that i don't want to talk a lot about because i feel like people kind of discovering what happens in this movie as it happens kind of adds to the mm -hmm. magic of this and uh yeah it is just this is quite a movie like it's it's really hard to pin down exactly what genre this is but for me it felt very much like a, a western like okay. this is a, a modern day western um <laughs> with uh a, a fantastic performance by uh, uh udo here as mm -hmm. um this this guy <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to say what he does, but it's 
this is a fascinating movie that I just mm-hmm. found to be super enjoyable. Um, and, and once it kind of gets to the climax where these two kind of opposing forces meet, uh, it is thrilling. Just a, mm-hmm. a thrilling movie um, with a lot of violence. So if you are squeamish, um, I would say probably, you know, this, this might not be for you. Um, but if you kind of enjoy westerns with a tinge of like science fiction i also felt like there was a little bit of uh kind of a a a tweak on the most dangerous game Mm -hmm. story to it as well um yeah this this was a a really enjoyable movie like i had a lot of fun with this one and i feel like it's it is a art house popcorn movie i think might be the best way to kind of describe this because it's like it's so elegantly set up and there's just so many quiet moments and and character moments but at the same time there is this uh plot that exists more for entertainment value than it exists to have some kind of deeper meaning but i also think at the same time it really touches upon like the, the idea of colonialism and, and kind of like uh, how mm-hmm. if you don't fit, if, if you're not part of the majority, you can be erased. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I thought this movie was great. And I, I uh, had been interested in it a while ago um, and thought about getting it uh, on demand during, uh, during the summer, earlier in the summer. Uh, but once you had said that Criterion had added it to their channel, I, I was like, I'll, I'll wait. And mm-hmm. I was glad that I did because, wow, this was a, a really exceptional movie. Yeah. Uh, I think this was my favorite movie of the year so far. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I love the way this, this movie sort of builds from the start. And you really, especially if you're able to ignore um, synopsises or, or, you know, little um, blocks about what, potentially happens if you can ignore all that and just kind of go in blind and you really pay attention to the clues and and also there's some really cool stuff that sort of tricks you yeah um i'm thinking of the drone stuff mm-hmm. you know like it sort of trips you into th- like because you really don't know what's going on at that point right. and then there's there's certain things and you're like are there aliens in this too <laughs> and so i i really love how this movie sort of like is sort of just climbing and climbing and you really have no idea where, where you're going. And all of a sudden, like in the middle of the movie, there's like this literal needle drop. And um, for, all, for all you horror fantasy fans, it's a John Carpenter song that they drop in the middle of this. And it's just an incredible like change of pace where you're like, whoa, this is going into a place that I really don't know where this is, what's, what's going on. And then it sort of just gets really violent. Like, and, and you, you said it's violent. It's not just violent. It's like, it's gory. You yeah. know, it's, oh, there's, yeah. there's, there's some gore in it. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it becomes, it's, 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 it's fun throughout because you're sort of wondering what's happening mm-hmm. throughout. And then once the sort of reveal happens, it, it not only becomes fun, it becomes super violent and very thrilling. And at the end of the day, like very satisfying. Yeah, it's it's absolutely unpredictable. Like, I don't think there is any beat in this movie that you can really see coming because it just, it, it, it I don't know, the way it handles everything feels so fresh and different. Like, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a character who 
as the movie goes on, their their loyalties aren't quite the way you think they're going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was just I was kind of stunned by that. And then it still kind of it like kind of culminated the way that it did. Uh, yeah, uh, it's such a blast. It's such a blast. And mm-hmm. I think the thing that one of the things that really makes this movie stand out is, you know, you can watch a movie and let it sit with you and then just kind of be done with it. But I always feel like the movies that you can't quite get out of your head, those are the ones that really have, there's something there. And mm-hmm. I think this is a movie, I, I still haven't been able to get it out of my head. And mm. I think maybe, maybe my initial reaction to it was like, oh, I like that. But I, didn't, I don't think I gave it a super high rating. But because over time, it's still there. Like, I think that's why uh, kind of revisiting movies is super beneficial because you can be like, you know what? I like that movie a lot more than I thought I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think this is, this will definitely find its way onto my best of the year list um, mm. because it is just, it's a blast. Like it is a uh, action, like I, like yeah. I said, an art house popcorn movie. And yeah, I don't, I don't feel like we get enough of those. Yeah. Uh, so it's something that, you know, once they come around, they're really, really special. Yeah, um, I, I will say if you, if you start watching it, like, just be patient. Because yeah. the first 45, 50 minutes, they're, they're, they're building everything up. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're giving you, they're dropping clues. They yep. are building up character stuff. And then after that, it's, 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 it's not like the movie shifts into like a higher gear or anything. It's, right. It doesn't become like, you know, a Fast and the Furious movie, but it, it becomes more thrilling than what yeah. it is, and a lot of really cool stuff happens, so. Right, it, it's, it takes the, the first part to kind of build this world, like you said, and then all the pieces start to fall into place, and as the pieces fall into place, that's where, like you said, it's not, it's not a Fast and the Furious tempo type of movie, but mm-hmm. it's one where if you are kind of an art house cinema fan, it's it it takes the pacing up a notch to something that's like oh well this is really this is really coming together let's see what happens now but yeah i i i really enjoyed this movie i i think this is great and i think it's something that um if you're able to check out you certainly should mm-hmm. i completely agree yeah so blake do you want to kind of drop some knowledge as to what is uh landing on the criterion channel sure. uh, for the month of september yeah, um, the big one for me, um, and I'll just start off from the top with it, is sure. the seven and a half hour uh, Santan Tango by Hungary's best filmmaker, uh, Bellatar. Um, I've only seen a couple of Bellatar movies. I've seen um, my favorite of the, oh, well, out of the two that I've seen, my favorite is the Ruckmaster Harmonies, which I okay. truly think is just like a masterpiece of cinema. And um, his last movie he did before he retired, uh, The Turn Horse, which is also an incredible experience. Have you seen any Bellatar movies before? I have not. This is, this okay. is one of my blind spots. And The yeah. Turn Horse was one that I remember uh, when it came out, some of the podcasts that I listened to were really uh, kind of gushing about it. So it was one that yeah. I wanted to check out, but didn't get around to. He, and, he makes these movies that are so um, apocalyptic. Yeah. And he does it just by shooting in these locations with like few people and they run down and the landscapes are so barren, but like they take place in maybe not modern times, but you know, within the past 50, 60 years. Um, And it's just, 
he, he, a lot of his shots are composed of, you know, like three to four minute single takes. I think Rookmeister, Rookmeister harmonies is, it's like 150 minutes. And I think there's like 30 or 40 shots in the movie. Um, and they're just like, they're, he's an incredible filmmaker, but Santan Tango is sort of like known as like this big magnum opus, which I, I mean, I've never seen it, but I'm, and now I'm so, now I really hope that this uh, stays for a while because I really want to see it. And I, it's going to be hard to, you know, commit seven and a half hours of my day to, to watch it, especially uh, with what, you know, I have going on for next right. month. But um, I'm, I'm super excited about this. Uh, this is another movie that could have easily fit into like my Mount Everest or um, white whale type story. Cause I've been, I've, I've I have a, a friend of mine um, who sort of got me into art house stuff. He, he was the one who got me into Bellatar and the, he's always talking about how like, this is the one that, you know, people need to see and, and, and all and everything. So I'm, I'm super excited that this is on the channel and I really, really hope that if people are listening, like that's the one that people should go see while it's up. Um, including you so um and i and and including myself honestly i really hope that i get a chance to see this um go ahead yeah i i i really hope that this sticks around through november because uh you know we we've got other things that we we have to kind of plan our next couple months around but i i want to watch this movie so badly and it's Mm -hmm. it is it's tough to kind of fit in uh, seven hours to 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 commit yourself to something of that length, but mm-hmm. and you know, and it is one that unfortunately I think for most of us we've got to break up into a couple of pieces to to be able to watch the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I hope that it sticks around for a long time, or you know, if if it doesn't stay on the channel for very long, I hope it finds a a physical release so that it, yeah. it's out there for people to get their hands on. But, I don't think yeah. any of his movies have a, a physical release yet, which is really sad to see. Yeah, um, wow. But, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would, I really want to watch this. And I, I know mm-hmm. that it's something that I, I deeply have to commit myself to yeah. uh, because yeah. of its length. So hopefully it sticks around for a bit. Uh, the next one is uh, a double feature that they are putting up. Um, I've seen both of these movies, but I do think it's very cool that um, the Criterion is sort of um, maybe even in jest putting these together. I, uh, we're, I'm talking about Yojimbo by Akira Kurosawa and A Fistful of Dollars by Sergio Leone. Um, <laughs> Akira Kurosawa actually sued Sergio Leone because the movie was <laughs> so much like um, Jimbo. Yeah. So I, the these two movies are together that uh, I think it's sort of cool that you can kind of if if you feel ambitious enough you can do a double feature and then uh, watch them so close and and see the the similarities. Yeah, I uh, I feel bad because I own uh, take a drink. I've seen uh, I own Yojimbo, but I have never watched it. Mm. Uh, I have seen a fistful of dollars. And though I'm not the biggest fan of Westerns, uh, the, the, the Man With No Name trilogy really is a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. uh, I have wanted to watch Yojimbo and Sanjuro for a very, very long time. Uh, it has not happened yet, but I think now that, I mean, I have them both so I could watch them at any time. But I think this is cool. I, I really enjoy their kind of Friday night double feature mm-hmm. uh, um, option. And I think this is a really fun one uh, that really kind of, helps people 
it's it's an action double feature, which is mm-hmm. is a lot of fun. So I, I mm-hmm. hope that people take a chance and and watch uh, both of these movies now that they're both kind of featured on the channel. Yeah, and I I will say that I actually enjoy Senjiro more than Yojimbo, which wow. I know I'm in the vast mi- minority with that, but it is what it is. They're, they're both great movies. Yeah, um, I, I I hear oh. that Sanjiro kind of plays a little bit lighter than than yeah. Yojimbo does, and that it's, might be one of the reasons it's it, it feels more like a B picture than yeah. Yojimbo does. Sure. I'll let you take the next one since you added this one. In. Yeah, so I did. I was going through our notes and I was like, oh, because I, I, I looked at my email earlier today and I saw that th- these were on here. Uh, and the main reason I want to talk about these are because I, I love one of these movies. Sure. Uh, there are three films that have been added by filmmaker Robert Green. He is kind of a, a, an avant garde documentarian. Like he, he, okay. he, he does these documentaries, but he kind of injects these recreations into them where it kind of it it, it gives the story a life of its own uh i have not seen his first film actress uh and i have not seen his most recent one which is honestly his most acclaimed and that's a bisbee 17 i've heard nothing but great things about that but i did see his his second the second of these three films and that's called kate plays christine um this is a documentary about two different things going on at once. So it's, it's kind of a story of, uh, I believe her last name is Rapachuk, Christine Rapachuk. She was a news anchor in California in the seventies. And she is, uh, famous, uh, because she committed suicide live on the air. Um, there is a, a another film about this. That's just simply called Christine. And, uh, it stars, Oh shoot. Rebecca, uh, uh, Rebecca, yep. Rebecca Hall. Yep. Yes. Yep. And she is fantastic in that movie. And I, I, I love that movie too, but there's, I've always been kind of interested in the story. Now Kate plays Christine. It focuses on that, but it also focuses on this actress who has signed on for this part to play this character. And, you know, it goes through the idea of method acting and, you know, what it's like to really inhabit this role, trying to do research on this character. And it kind of puts Kate through this, like, mental breakdown as well while she's trying to tell this story. Um, I think there's there's some controversy about this movie because uh, some people, some critics have said that it kind of feels like it is... Um, um, not manipulating, but it's kind of the cashing in on this story. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, where it's it's really playing on this this existing story and and taking a twist on it and kind of making its own thing where it takes away from the tragedy. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it does justice to that. I feel like it it really serves a purpose of trying to tell that story. It's it's shocking. It's interesting to see an actor's process and how deep into the rabbit hole some actors go when trying to get into parts um but i i love this movie Uh, and i think watching kate plays christine and christine which you know doesn't doesn't feature this actress at all it's a Mm -hmm. completely separate project but i think it really kind of rounds out that story where you're able to get this um idea of of what this the kind of uh struggle with with mental health that this woman was going through 
Um, and I think that that story is important. So yeah, I, I highly recommend Kate Plays Christine. And I like that Criterion is kind of bringing these three films uh, to the channel because it, it makes it so that they're all kind of convenient and in one spot. Um, yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to try and, and get an opportunity to watch uh, those movies, especially Bisbee 17, because it's, it's another one that I have heard nothing but glowing things about. And I think it deals with uh, kind of a military action um, and how that military action is reflective in things going on today. So, hmm. yeah, I'm excited about this addition to the channel. I haven't seen any of these movies. Yeah. Um, but I, I am aware of the story of this young woman who, um, you know, tragically committed suicide. I sort of like read about her after yeah. I heard all this stuff and it's, I don't want to get into it, but like, it, it really sounds like she, she was a very lonely person. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if I could watch something like this. It just, it seems so depressing yeah. yeah, but I, I the idea of sort of following an actress as she prepares to play a role, while sort of telling the story of this young woman, does sound like a really interesting um, twist on, uh, like a, maybe like a very biopic. Right, right. And Bisbee, Bisbee Seventeen, I've heard of, but I have not uh, obviously seen um, or, or heard too much about. But I, 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 as you were explaining uh, everything, I sort of read the synopsis of it. It sounds pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to check that one out. I, I look forward to uh, finding some time to to fit that one in. I'll let you take the next one too. Yeah. Actually. Cool. I am excited to talk about these ones too. Uh, and mostly because I, I love uh, one of these movies. One of these movies is on my list of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, and the other one is featuring one of my favorite comedians of all time. This is another Friday night double feature. Uh, this is Lenny directed by Bob Fosse, which is the movie that I have on my list of favorite movies of all time. Uh, and Jojo Dancer, Your Life is Calling, uh, a, the only film I think that is written and directed by Richard Pryor, uh, kind of the only like narrative film written and directed by Richard Pryor. These, this is a very interesting pairing because it does dive into the, the world of stand-up comedy in a way that is kind of beyond the laughs. Um, mm -hmm. Lenny is the story of 1950s and 60s stand-up comic Lenny Bruce. He was kind of a beacon of controversy and uh, kind of a poster boy for freedom of speech. He would do these very controversial routines uh, that I think even by today's standards would be deemed very controversial. Uh, played by Dustin Hoffman. Like, this is just a... Uh, uh, bravura performance by Dustin Hoffman. He is tackling this role full on. It's shot in gorgeous black and white cinematography. Um, this is this is such a movie, and it, it goes on such a, a journey, kind of uh, revealing who this man was. Um, I saw this movie, I think, for the first time when I was in high school. Um, it was when I was first starting to kind of really get into. Uh, movies that were considered uh, quote-unquote great like the, the greatest mm -hmm. movies of all time and that's when I first saw this one and I instantly fell in love with it I just was like wow this guy could say all this stuff and 
and get away with it. But also it was, I was such a fan of Dustin Hoffman that kind of watching him, you know, he was who I, I had seen in, in the graduate and like, uh, um, Dick Tracy, like as Mumbles and Dick Tracy, like that's mm-hmm. kind of how I knew Dustin Hoffman at that time and, and mm-hmm. Rain Man. Uh, mm-hmm. And then oh. to kind of see him play this, like, like uh, kind of uh, uh, badass, like, uh, like uh, kind of rebel of, of stand up comedy was really interesting to me. So mm-hmm. I instantly fell in love with this movie and I, I think it's awesome that it is playing on the channel. Um, it gives me hope that maybe it'll eventually find its way to the collection proper because I think this this is one that I don't know if it has a, a, a Blu-ray release here in the States. I know that there is a very expensive German import uh, that I looked into getting at one point, but after I saw the price tag, I was like, you know, I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited that this is on the channel because I think it'll give people the opportunity to watch it. And then the other half of this I have never seen, but I love Richard Pryor. Uh, I think Richard Pryor is an icon of comedy. And this one is, is uh, uh, pretty well regarded as a, a fine piece of cinema. So I'm excited to get to watch, you know, and I would probably like to do this as a double feature like I would with the Yojimbo uh, uh, mm-hmm. Fistful of Dollars. I think I'd like to watch these two back-to-back because I think it'll really add something to each movie to see them kind of paired up with something like this. So, uh, yeah, I look forward to this. This this double feature hits the channel on uh, Friday, this upcoming Friday. Oh, well, by the time this uh, this airs, it'll have already hit the channel. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it is coming coming to the channel, and uh, I think definitely worth people's time. Very cool. Uh, I've only seen the first five minutes of Lenny. Okay. Uh, It was was on Netflix years and years and years ago. And I, I was like, oh, I've heard good things about this. So I started to watch it. And then five minutes in, I was like, I don't know if I'm in the mood for something like this. And yeah. I, I, never went, I never went back. So, yeah. um, but based on your uh, glowing recommendation, I might have to check it out. Um, I feel like I've heard of JoJo before, but I never really understood what it's about. But yeah. uh, it, it sort of feels, in a way, kind of meta. Because um, yeah. it sounds like Richard Pryor is maybe exercising some demons, uh, his own personal demons on, um, on screen. Uh, yeah. So that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Kind of like the, his, his battle with, with fame and all of the things that fame entailed from uh, uh, the good and the bad and mm-hmm. mostly, mostly the bad of drugs and alcoholism. Uh, next up, we have a the section called "Directed by Albert Brooks." Um, they threw up what looks like one, two, three, four, five movies: uh, "Real Life," "Lost in America," "Modern Romance," "Defending Your Life," and "Mother." Uh, I I really enjoy Albert Brooks's take on um, on life. Uh, I think he. <laughs> it's it's quite uh quite funny at times uh uh my favorite of his movies is lost in america i think that's an incredible comedy maybe probably one of the best comedies of the 80s um and i've seen parts of defending your life and i've seen mother which i thought was okay yeah. but uh i think it's really cool actually now that i think about it i think he i think lost in america is in the physical collection yeah um yeah. But uh, it's sort of cool to see. And this is what I love about the channel is like the channel is putting up stuff that maybe you would never suspect they would put up. And this is a lot of, 
this is one of those things where this is one of those sections where I was like, I was pretty surprised to see it go up, especially, especially Mother, which when it came out, it really wasn't like it was sort of like a bomb, right. and um, and I, I really enjoy them not taking a risk, but sort of just stretching their boundaries of what they'd even call, um, you know, art house or independent. Yeah. Uh, uh, stuff and uh, it's really neat to see them do uh, sectional stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. It's so. I, I I think I think Albert Brooks mostly is a blind spot to me. Like I know mm-hmm. that I have watched films featuring Albert Brooks, and I know that I have watched movies that he has written or directed, but they haven't stuck with me because I don't mm-hmm. think I've seen any of them when I've been in that kind of uh, uh, age group where I would appreciate them and seeing that, that uh, lost in America and defending your life are on here. uh, They are ones that I've wanted to check out for quite some time. So I'm, I'm very happy that they've been added because Mm -hmm. I think this will be fun. I think he is. I think he's a very wry um, entertaining kind of uh, uh, observationalist comedian. So Mm -hmm. I look forward to kind of seeing those, to seeing those movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have three by Lucretia Martel. Um, I have not seen any of her movies, but I, the, uh, again, I, we could do, we could do a whole year on uh, Mount Everest movies mm-hmm. and um, the headless woman would be another one that I have not seen that I've wanted to see for over a decade now. And I, mm-hmm. I hear it's an, I hear it's an incredible movie, um, but they, they're throwing up uh, the headless woman. And I believe she's Argentinian. If I'm, not mistaken uh and then the second one is la cienaga which i have not seen as well and then the last one they're throwing up i'm probably the most excited about which is zama which um i think was like the best reviewed movie of 2017 i'd have to look into that but either way it was one of the most uh highly regarded movies of that year and i'm very excited to see that one um i hear it's an incredible experience yeah yeah, my uh, 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 Martel is in my blind spot as well. Uh, I have wanted to watch uh, Las La Cienaga for quite some time. Uh, just judging by the, the Criterion cover art, it's something that's always looked interest, interesting to me. Uh, but even the, the basics uh, synopsis of the plot just sounds really intriguing. And then with Zama, it is one that was uh, talked about quite frequently the year that it came out i heard it on a lot of podcasts uh, Mm -hmm. where people were just raving about it so yeah it is it's this is another uh uh, trio of films that i i hope i can find some time to dive into yeah uh very exciting stuff yeah um the next one is i mean it's i'm only highlighting it because maybe if you haven't seen it by now now is your chance to watch it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the Evervescent Boyhood by Richard Linklater. Uh, I feel like I don't really need to go too much into this. Uh, I sort of think, regardless of what some uh, one person in our group said, I, I sort of think it's still like a very uh, fascinating um, achievement for a filmmaker to do. Uh, I if you don't know now boyhood is the movie that Linklater shot over 10 to 12 years um and he came back and shoot like four weeks each summer about this kid growing up um and uh i, th- I think it's a remarkable achievement yeah. and the fact that now he's just gonna double down and do a 20-year movie uh just just speaks to 
how restless uh, Richard Linklater's spirit is to, yeah. in filmmaking terms. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a, a, a landmark achievement. I, I feel like, uh, I think we could have a whole other conversation on this. I think that the, uh, the storyline of it is thin. It's just about growing up, which sure. I think that's fine. I think we can have uh, movies like that. I was, I'm not as bowled over by it by as many people. Uh, sure. Uh, not a, as many people are, but I do think that the, the, the filmmaking of it, the commitment to it on everyone's part, not just Linklater's, but the actors and, and the crew and everyone who was involved with it. I just find that, uh, super admirable so i think mm -hmm. it, it'll definitely uh deserves its place in in kind of film history because of that mm -hmm. and i think that it's it is still something that you know whether i love it or not i think it is absolutely something worth checking out and i'm glad mm -hmm. that it's on the channel for people to do that uh yeah i agree and it, 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 also if you want to buy it, it it is in the physical collection as well yep yep um this next one is uh yeah, the Saturday matinee, which is sort of like aimed towards kids. Sure. I think it's pretty cool. They're throwing up Charlotte's Web. Yeah. Um, I watched that a lot when I was a kid. And um, I think maybe when my daughter gets a few years older, I'll sit her down and watch it. But um, I, I think it's pretty cool that they're throwing this up. Um, it's nice that they recognize these older um, animated movies uh, that maybe weren't as highly regarded when they came out. Um, and I'm just super excited to see it. Uh, um, sort of uh, programmed on the channel. Yeah, I, I like these Saturday matinees. I posted something, I think it was actually this, this Saturday, uh, what their, their Saturday matinee was this week, and that was uh, uh, Duck Soup, the, the Marx Brothers yes. films. And yes. I really like that they're kind of like just easygoing, lighthearted kind of movies that are okay for the whole family. Like I, I just enjoy that, that Criterion does that. They're... This is a exceptionally curated streaming service, and I, I love that about it. I love that it's not just throwing everything out there at once. It has a, a breakdown to things, and you know it, it kind of rotates through all of these titles. And being able to include Charlotte's Web, which I also watched pretty regularly as a kid, and just kind of loved and you know laughed and cried at and just enjoyed. Like I think it's great that they're able to kind of present this for audiences that you know younger audiences that that aren't you know as as privy to it as i think we were growing up so mm -hmm. yeah this is a great a great addition and i i love that this is part of their saturday matinee program mm -hmm. um I, I i can't tell how much of this was added or that was already there on the channel sure. but uh the next next section is the films of Anya's Varda, yeah. who I think we're going to plan at some point to do maybe an episode or two on since it's a, it's, it's a hundred percent blind spot for me. Yeah. And I think you've seen one, one. of her movies. Uh, so um, it's, it's pretty cool that they're throwing up all of her movies. Um, I guess if you, if you, if you bought the box set, sorry. Um, <laughs> but um, I think this is pretty cool. I, they, they, I sort of I sort of reference this every episode about how like Criterion has like this like maybe like their big Mount Rushmore of filmmakers. Mm -hmm. I think Anya's is 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 one of them worship coins, and she got her own last month or the month before her yeah. own like box set of all like thirty five movies that she did. 
um, and it looks like they're all going up on the channel. Um, so we'll have to maybe plan something um, either, either late this year or next year, and yeah. uh, we, we can sort of like uh, dive into her filmography a little bit. Yeah, I think that'd be a lot of fun. I think, I think too, because she is kind of on their, their list of people that they're like, yes, we love, we, we love everything she's done. We will celebrate it forever. I think it's something that'll stick around for quite some time. Uh, so we can definitely dive into her um, because I think it would be, I think it would be great. I think it'd be nice to kind of stretch uh, that part of our, our film knowledge muscle because I'm not very experienced with her and I know that she has left a huge impact uh, on the world of cinema. So yeah, I look forward to us kind of diving mm -hmm. into that. Uh, next up, we have uh, Corpus Christi by Jan Komasa. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen this one yet, but it, no. it did play as a part of our, um, the, the state theater, our local state mm -hmm. theater did their virtual cinema, and I believe this was one of their choices. And I, I, I meant to buy it. I just, you get, you get caught up in, in yep. the, the streaming game. Um, but this is about a young man who is released from prison for a, a, a violent offense and then sort of takes the identity of a of a, a priest and it uh sort of his experiences sort, sort of spiral from there so um this is w one of the more talked about foreign language films that came out uh within the past few years and i i i eagerly await to see it yeah, uh, I, I, I'm in that same exact boat with you pretty much all the way through. It was one that I wanted to rent uh, from the state's virtual theater, didn't get around to it, uh, have heard nothing but great things about it. It was nominated, I think, uh, this past year for Best International Feature, uh, really highly praised, really widely beloved, and it just sounds like a lot of fun, um, a, a really... Um, interesting and, and entertaining movie so i'm i'm super looking forward to it i'm glad that criterion has added this to their channel uh so i will be excited to see this uh once it arrives i think at the end of the month mm -hmm. uh second to last movie that we'll talk about in uh the, the coming to the channel section uh is nocturama by bertrand bonello it is about uh a group of teenagers i believe in paris who sort of hold up in a mall after hours, after they either after or while they're committing terrorist attacks. Yeah. And um, this one came out a few years ago, and I've heard nothing but great things about it. Um, if Bertrand Bonello's name sounds familiar, his other newest film, Zombie Child, is already on uh, the channel under the 21st Century Cinema section. Um, I, I don't know if it's getting added full time to that, but it is coming to the channel this month. Uh, and who got me into Bellatar also raved about this one. Um, I have yet to check it out. Uh, so many movies, so little time. Yep. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to spotlight that because I've heard nothing but great things about it. Yeah, same, same here. Uh, I, I hear it's fantastic. I hear it has kind of a uh, thriller, kind of horror-ish, horror-ish kind of bent to it. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm guessing probably more of the psychological uh, horror yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. type genre. But yeah, I, I've heard nothing but great things about it. I think it was on Netflix for a little while. So uh, yeah, it, it kind of went yep. away. So I'm glad that it's coming to the Criterion channel so I can check it out. Yep. Uh, our final film is The Loveless, which is the 
film make, uh, excuse me, the directing debut of Catherine Bigelow, who is one of uh, probably my favorite filmmakers, um, yeah. and a gentleman named Monty Montgomery, whom I don't know too much about. Um, it stars uh, Willem Dafoe as a biker. Uh, I think this movie is kind of like a, a, a hybrid of, of, a, of a biker gang movie mixed with like a musical and not, I don't know if it's a musical in the musical sense, but more like music is really infused into the, uh, the movie. Um, I haven't seen this one yet. I think this is the only Catherine Bigelow that I haven't seen. So this is another exciting title uh, that is being added to the channel. Yeah. I, uh, so every so often arrow does a sale on uh, iTunes or, yeah. or Apple, whatever their, their storefront is called now, where they will sell an Arrow title for like two ninety nine, And this was one that they had available, and I, I bought it. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I was like, I want to scoop all of those ones up because, you know, I'm a, I'm a genre film fan. I want to watch mm-hmm. these kind of uh, lesser-known movies that, that people kind of uh, rave about. And this was one I grabbed. Haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I am glad it's on the channel because uh, I think Catherine Bigelow is exceptional. Uh, a huge fan of her work. Uh, she has another movie out that I have not seen that I need to kind of uh, make sure I watch here in the very near future because I have a feeling I will love it. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to that The Loveless is arriving on the channel because yeah, she's great and uh, the opportunity to see any of her movies, even her her debut, I think is is just fantastic. So yay, mm-hmm. yay for Catherine Bigelow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that is quite the lineup as always for the channel. Uh, I, I hope that uh, you're able to take some time and dive in to see what fun things you can find. And fun, of course, is a relative term because some of these movies <laughs> are probably not fun. <laughs> but Like the movie we're about to talk about. <laughs> oh my goodness, what a segue. So that is it. It is time for our Mount Everest, our, our grand topic of the day. Uh, last week we discussed mine, or, or last episode we discussed mine, which was a brighter summer day. Uh, this week we are talking about Let's see if I can get this name right. Elim Klimov's Come and See. So, Blake, this is your yeah. Mount Everest selection. Yeah. So I will let you lead this conversation, okay. starting with maybe uh, why you chose this as your Mount Everest selection. Um, I chose this because it took me years to watch. Um, and I'll, some of that was... Uh, due to the fact that I just, I couldn't get myself psychologically to watch it. Um, And uh, due to its, I I don't don't know if I want to say graphic. Well, there is some graphic stuff in it, I guess. But more of the fact that it was an unrelenting, um, uh, inhumane treatment of people. And, uh, or I should say lack of humanity. Um, and uh, I remember, I actually remember reading your review either, it was like 2018 or 2019. You're sort of doing like this, is it like the reheat? Is it called the reheat? Yeah. Where, yeah. You, where, where you watch a movie and then you're like, well, I'm going to see if this like holds up or whatever. And I believe right. you gave this movie the golden avocado, oh, which yeah. is sort of like, uh, like five stars, but like, uh, like the plus one, like five right. stars plus one. 
Um, and so I, I always wanted to see this movie, this along with uh, Grave of the Fireflies, which I still haven't seen yet, oh, about wow. these movies that sort of like, they're monumental achievements, but because of the, of, of the nature of the films, you, you, you have to sort of like be in the mood for. And so I, I just, I never got around to it. Yeah. And um, when I signed up for the channel, I sort of went through movies that I wanted to see. And um, this was one that I immediately added to my watch list. Uh, and it still took me a long time to sort of uh, myself. And then I would say once the, uh, the Blu-ray came out, and uh, I think it was, I think it came out in June, the, yeah. uh, the Criterion Blu-ray. Uh, I like, just sat myself down and said, okay, like this is, this is happening right now. Um, where I, I, I didn't decide like the day of, it was just like, I was sitting in front of my TV and I just pushed play and I just said, all right, I'm, I'm not stopping tonight. There's like, there's nothing. My daughter could come in screaming and I'm gonna ignore her so I can finish this movie. But um, yeah, so when the Criterion Blu-ray finally got announced, I sat down and watched it. And uh, I mean, there's sometimes you, you, like people, people will hype something up and it doesn't live up to those expectations, whether it's the degree of how good the movie is or the degree of the nature of the film. And I think for me, this movie held up in both of those regards where um, what I what, what I witnessed was as bad as people said it was, and how good it was. It it, it was that good, and um, I'll just sort of go through what the movie is about, um, and we can we can the spoilers. I I don't have a problem doing that because really what you're sort of getting is this is sort of this kid's um, experiences through um, war. But the basic right. premise is, I believe it's 1943. Uh, this young kid, I don't think he's older than 15 or 16. Yeah. Um, his, name, his name is Floria. Um, and he decides that he, is, he wants to go to war and be a hero. And the opening scene, well, I'll go through the basic premise and then we'll, we'll start with his journey. Um, sure. he, he decides that he wants to be a hero and go off to war and fight the Nazis, which, hey, I don't blame them. Nazis are, Nazis suck. Yeah. Um, but he gets more than he bargained for. Um, he actually gets way more than he bargained for. And he sees the true horrors of war. Um, and that is, that's essentially what the, the bare bones of the movie is. Um, but it's more about what he experiences and how the movie gets that across. Um, I don't want to be too hyperbolic, but when I finished this, I immediately said to myself, that is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Um, and I sort of don't want to hype it up too much, but it's true. Like this is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen ever. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's a masterpiece. Um, I don't know really where to start other than maybe we can just go through this, the movie bit by bit. Um, the movie starts off with him sort of playing war with um, his friend. And I think, think his dad or am i wrong about that relationship i think i think it was just i think it was just the two kids um, no there was I, a guy there i thought was there huh okay maybe I, not I yeah. but they, they find a gun buried in the sand and there's a plane flying above um that they sort of like talk about 
And that plane, that motif of a plane flying overhead, that happens more than once in the movie. And I think yeah. it has to do with them just be, you know, being under, under surveillance or maybe the threat of all times. Yeah. Um, and the movie sort of progresses where Florian, Floria goes back to his hometown and, or his village, I should say, in Belarusia. And he's, he's so gung-ho about going off to war and his mom is just pleading with him to, to, to not go. And it's one of those th- sequences where you sort of, as an adult, you, know, you just know that he has no idea what he's getting himself into. And the horrors of war kind of start in this sequence, just not quite as vibrant as what you get later on. Yeah. Uh, these, two soldier, these two soldiers come to his house and sort of um, prepare him for, 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 you know, battle. And uh, um, he eventually makes his way to a, a resistance group camp where he is made a, um, a sentinel uh, at night where he is supposed to watch for, uh, you know, invaders. And um, he meets this girl who he sort of falls in love with and, um, or maybe he's just smitten with. Yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> once their journey begins, the movie sort of kicks into, um, I don't want to say overdrive, but it sort of, it sort of kicks off the, the, the terrible stuff that he witnesses uh, throughout the rest of this movie. And it doesn't let up from, from then on. No, no, it's, 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 it's not funny might not be the right word, but it's kind of like this. Very this playful. First, yeah. This first portion of the movie, it is like a, a boy's fantasy of what war is like yeah. you're gonna go you're gonna you're gonna be the hero everything's gonna be okay you're gonna get to you know uh watch out you're gonna be able to get the girl everything's going to be great and then it just turns on a dime and becomes this nightmare yeah um, yeah and i think that's that's where we go from here so what what comes next um well the, the, one of the what uh so they get they start so they're out in this forest and um, they're kind of like playing war or whatever. They're, they're playing, they're, they're sort of like, it's sort of almost a cliche sequence where like these two kids in love are sort of like literally prancing through the forest. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like they start getting bombed. Mm-hmm. And then they start getting shot at. Um, and that's when the, the, all that happens. And Floria, and I, can't, I don't know if it's the rest of the movie, but Floria loses his hearing for a little bit. And um, they go back to his home village. And he's, you know, he's just like, oh, you know, you know like my fa- we'll go to my house and we'll hide out here and everything's going to be all right. And then he, he runs into his home and no one's there. And you're kind of like, oh, okay, they, they fled and in, in sort of like this incredible sequence, he's like, oh, I know where they're at. They're, they're in this marsh. We'll, we'll run to the marsh and we'll, 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 we'll find them there. Well, him and this girl start running out of the village. And he is, he's bolting to this, uh, this marsh. And the girl is, is sort of you know, trying to play catch up. And she turns around and sees the entire village behind this barn all shot to death, including Floria's family and brothers and you know, siblings and, you know, boy, 
they, they just don't hold back in this movie. Yeah. And um, there's this, the sequence in the marsh is so surreal because, and, and I don't know if you noticed this, but like when he's running, when they're trying to like run through the mud or, 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 or um, sw- swimming is not the, the word, but like they're like wading through this muddy marsh. Sure. Like the top, the top of the mud is like this crusty, really thick, dry mud. And it's, it's something I've never seen before. And the way they're sort of <sighs> traversing this landscape is sort of, it, it feels apocalyptic in a way. Yeah. And then, and then Floria and this girl whose name I forget, um, is it Glasha? Is that her name? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Glasha sounds right. Uh, they, they, they sort of find these other people and he just starts screaming after she tells him that his, his, his family is dead and he, he's screaming uncontrollably and the, this whole, there's this tension that doesn't, that that starts here and doesn't leave the picture until the end of the movie, which is like another hour and 20 minutes later. Um, And then I I guess I don't really want to go through the movie beat by beat, but it almost feels like we have to in a way because everything that starts happening, just it adds on to just how incredibly bleak everything is. Yeah. Um, the next sequence, they sort of find this resistance, the resistance group, and I think this is the sequence where like all these women are just like screaming while he while he's explaining, you know, his plight, and the movie becomes like this oral, it becomes like the sensory overload, yeah, where the visuals are just absolutely grotesque. Um, I believe this is the sequence where they're building. Uh, the Hitler um, effigy out of a, a, a skeleton of a dead soldier. Um, and um, I'm just, I'm starting to be overtaken by all the visuals again, yeah. but um, it becomes like this grotesque nightmare from here on out. And maybe you and can that, help me sort of navigate everything that happens to the rest of this movie. Yeah. And that's, I mean, nightmare is honestly the best way to kind of describe how this goes because it it's a, is, it's, it's a, it's a waking nightmare is what it is. Yeah, you know, like it, it's, it's a real life nightmare that you can't go to sleep to or wake up from. It's, it's a right. weird way to describe the movie. And it, it reminds me a lot of like, uh, there's a sense of classic literature to this. Like it feels like it's, uh, like if Homer's Odyssey was a nightmare, or, but then kind of mixed with Dante's Inferno, because it's like every step that he takes, every 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 bend in this journey to a certain point, it just keeps getting worse and worse, and yeah. he keeps going through even more layers of hell uh, until yeah, he you know kind of finds his way out. And that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, and the the one thing that that really strikes me is. And and you and I have had this conversation kind of outside of this podcast, is that this movie is whether it it, it wears the 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 monsters or or the, the the kind of stereotypical horror beats on its shoulder, this is a horror movie. Um, uh, and yeah, this it, is, as far as I'm concerned, this is the greatest horror movie ever made. Oh yeah, like it is a a nightmare 
uh, once things start going, it is just this descent into terror. Um, And it's, it's more terrifying because this is, while this story is not a true, like this specific story isn't a true story, this is influenced by what happened, what actually mm-hmm. happened, a, a real life situation. And to watch this child kind of navigate in and out of these horrific scenarios is just, uh, like you said, a, a waking nightmare. And I, yeah. I can't, it's, it's, it's hard to... Um, it's it's a hard watch. It's it's a worthwhile watch and and uh, a necessary watch because I completely agree with you. This is one of the greatest films ever made. Mm-hmm. I have I have no arguments on that. I think this is uh, objectively one of the greatest films ever made. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I just think this is fantastic and it's it's so tough. But kind of diving back into what's going on here um he he really just like this this is his journey this this is all floria's journey well, it's our and journey it's, too right right and we are kind of seeing in um in this condensed you know two and a half hour long movie we are getting to experience the absolute horrors of uh the Nazi attack and, and, and world war two. And it's like, I feel like to an extent, you know, we, we've had history lessons, you know, we've read in textbooks about what happens, but I feel like this really presents all of that in a, uh, difficult to digest Mm -hmm. form that, that really brought it all to life. Um, I'm trying to remember, and I, I can't. When when does the girl disappear? When does she leave the story? Because she doesn't go all the way to the no, end, does she? I I think she. So when 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 Floria gets to um, when he gets to this other resistance group who are who are sort of like building that effigy to not an effigy. I don't know what I would call it. They're, they they found a skeleton. And they're basically building um, uh, a Hitler out of a skeleton. And because what they want to do is they want to go stick it, you know, put it on a, a cross or something and put it in the middle of a road. Um, and so she, she, she sort of leaves the picture at this point, which yeah. I believe now that I remember is also the same sequence where Floria finds his father who the Nazis burnt and left to just, you know, burn to death. Um, and uh, so once they, that they have like this, this skeleton thing of Hitler, that's where she leaves the picture. And then Floria leaves with two or three other guys to put this uh, uh, sculpture in the, middle of a, in the middle of a road. But they get bombed while doing this. Yeah. And then I believe it's Floria with another guy. And then that guy dies after they're attacked. And that's, it's basically Floria through the rest of the picture. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some, some events that, you know, he gets involved with, he, he, um, I think he steals a cow yeah. or he, cause I think he wants to get milk or, or food or whatever. And he's running through a field 
with this cow and then it's another i mean basically we're just going to talk about devastating sequences in this movie mm-hmm. but um you know he gets shot at from afar the cow is shot to death and they're oh my god there's a sequence where like he's hiding behind this cow and like there's an insert shot of the cow's eyeball going sort of crazy as it as it passes away and yeah you know and 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 then and then the the <laughs> just, i'm getting so like you know emotionally drained already talking yeah. about this movie but um from then on you know it's sort of like he he makes his way to this village where he um he, he's trying to he, at this point i think he's trying to escape just right. every everything and there's this maybe the most incredibly diabolic se- diabolical sequence I've, i think i've ever seen mm-hmm. in a movie he is trying to uh he's, he's walking through this field and fog starts rolling in and he can't really see anything but he hears all these like motorcycles and troops making their way in yeah and he, he doesn't know who they are and it turns out that you know they're, they're the nazis right. and he's he runs into this town and like slowly but surely he's trying to find an exit from this town and from all angles the nazis are slowly making their way in to um uh surround this town and um he ends up hiding up in this house and then he's like well i don't have id and if i did have id they would surely kill me because they find out that i'm a resistance fighter and his family takes him in and you know at this point you you're kind of like trying to figure out what the nazis are doing and you know they're they're telling the visitors you're like hey we're just we're just gonna we're just moving you we're we're gonna move some people to this town the rest of you we're just gonna keep here but you slowly start to figure out that the nazis are just going to um kill everyone whether it's by throwing them into a barn and burning it or taking them by bus or not bus but like a truck i I think they're taking like all the kids i think that's what they're doing or or some of the kids and floria ends up getting wrapped up with these the townsfolk who are being put into a barn yeah and um (laughs) oh it's so hard to talk about this stuff um but um floria is in this barn and um the nazis are just you know like you can't tell if the nazis are toying with them or if they're actually going to kill them and then you find out that they actually are going to kill all these people in a barn um floria gets out of the barn and and maybe the most devastating sequence for at least at least for me was um floria makes his way out and he gets captured by these generals and they basically pose, uh, have him pose in a picture with a yeah. gun to his head. Yeah. And can we can we pause for a second? Yes, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I want to I want to talk about this this whole well, section for a minute. Okay, I, I'm skipping over it for a reason though. I, yeah. I want to come ba- I want to come back to it. Okay, okay, Th- okay. That's okay. Well, yeah, no, and I'll let you there, go ahead. There, there's a reason why I want to come back to it. Um, okay. So so Flory has a gun to his head, and at this point you you, you think okay they're going to kill him. But they're just posing with a picture with him, and um, and then it, it ends with um, them with the resistance fighters finding um, all the people who perpetrated this this whole gas, dastardly act, 
and they kill them all. And then um, Hitler, uh, uh, there's a picture of Hitler uh, that uh, Floria um, finds mm-hmm. and starts shooting at with his gun. And then it sort of goes back to the history of Hitler being uh, elected to power. Yeah. Um, and then all through that. And the reason why I skipped over all that is because I, I wanted to talk about um, the director, Elam Klemov's way of showing everything. Yeah. And he uses pictures and sound to sort of perpetrate all the um, heinous stuff. And the reason I skipped it was because I wanted to now go back to talk about the town part where he kills the, he kills everyone and Klimov sort of starts to play classical music under all uh, underneath all this. And it's getting louder and louder and louder as the sequence goes on. And the screaming of the people that are in this barn gets louder and louder and louder as well. And the cutting, like the editing gets faster and faster and everything sort of just overwhelms the audience. Um, and that is where I think the true horror comes in of what's happening. It's, it's how it's shown in the film. Yeah. And um, I'll let you speak now. That, I just wanted to sure. tell you, like, that's why I wanted to go back was because I want to explain the events and then, sh- and then tell why it's so awful. It's because yeah. Klemov sort of like ups everything at this point and it becomes visual and sens- uh, oral overload you know like everything is overloaded where you you're just you can't take it anymore yeah uh this this sequence is uh gut-wrenching uh yeah. it, it, it is it is so difficult to watch but it's also one of those where it's like you can't uh, it's almost like you can't take your eyes off of it, but it is, it is so harrowing. Uh, I found a quote. Uh, this is from a, the, the co-writer of the screenplay. Um, or actually, this is, this is, this is from Klemov. Uh, he says he decided to make a film about this tragedy. He perfectly understood that the film would wind uh, would end up a harsh one. Uh, he decided the central role of the village lad, Floria, would not be played by an actor uh, who, upon immersion into the difficult role, could have protected himself psychologically with his acting experience, technique, and skill. I wanted to find a boy who's 14 years old so that we could prepare him for the most difficult experiences and then capture them on film. Uh, At the same time, we had to protect him from the stresses so he wasn't left in the loony bin after filming was over, uh, but returned to his mother alive and healthy. Uh, Fortunately, with that actor who played for you, who later became a really good actor, everything went smoothly. He understood that this film would be very brutal and that it was unlikely one that people would be able to watch. He told this to his, his screenplay author, and that author replied, let them not watch it then. This is something we must leave after us as evidence of war and as a plea for peace. And I think that that last little bit there, that 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 let them not watch it then, I we still have to do this, is most evident in that sequence because it is horrific. But to mm-hmm. let that story go untold is doing a huge disservice to the world. Um and it is it is gut wrenching and harrowing and mm-hmm. painful and mm-hmm. the kind of thing that you can't you have to make yourself watch because it is 
so terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it is important. It's so yeah. so very important to watch. Yeah, I I think one of the things too that's so uh, exhausting about that scene is that the moment. I mean, if you go into this movie not having seen it before, I don't think, I think you get to a certain point in the movie where it is not guaranteed for you that this boy is going to make it out alive. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I feel like past a certain point, you are living in fear that he's going to die at any time. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. once he gets out of the, the burning barn and then is instantly grabbed by these commanders you're you're just like oh my god he made it and oh no he's going to die mm-hmm. how could yeah. he not but it was yeah. because of their their vanity their their uh uh kind of wanting to brag about these terrible things that they've done that's what saved his life mm-hmm. and it is just uh, it is it is uh mm-hmm. draining yeah draining um you know mm-hmm. a lot of this sounds really terrible and depressing and i don't it, it is it, the experience is depressing but like i also i also think like there is just a power to the filmmaking in this movie that you just like that's where if you haven't seen this that's where i want you to like sort of have your your um your entrance into why you would want to watch this this is because it's such a such a well-made film yeah and um it, it is hard to watch um, at times, and I think that just speaks to just how how well it's made. Um, Klimov, after he finished the movie, he said, "All right, you know, I, I'm done making movies. I this is I won't make anything as good as this ever again." And he retired from filmmaking. Um, you know, uh, there's a sequence where after the, the 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 barn is burned, that a woman is shown screaming, being thrown into a truck by a group of soldiers. She shows up 15 minutes later and she's bloodied and her clothes ripped and, you know, she was gang raped by the soldiers. And it just, it's such a hard, hard thing to take. But, you know, I do want people to see this movie because it's such a powerful, powerful statement on what war does to people. And I think you're right with that quote that like, this movie shouldn't be shown to or seen to be shown like what war can do it should be shown to what peace can do for for man and um um i sort of want to talk about now the final sequence the montage i think it's about five or ten minutes of the film where um floria is shooting at a picture of hitler on um of Hitler laying in a, a, a puddle. What to you... Okay, so basically what happens is Floria finds a picture of Hitler, unloads his rifle into it, and during this whole sequence, sort of like images of, of, of the Nazis and, and Hitler are sort of rewound all the way to when Hitler was a baby. Yeah. And like, what do you think is being said in this sequence? Oh, God. Um... this is this is pure speculation but i I feel like to an extent it is that idea of someone who has gone through the worst just gone through absolute hell is kind of 
reckoning with the ultimate perpetrator of that. And I, I think he's, I, I feel like there's this desire to punish that person who has led to his punishment. And I don't know necessarily if, if he sees all of these things, all of these thoughts, or if it's just kind of a general drifting of his mind as he's laying out, uh, putting these bullets through Hitler's head, Hitler's, Hitler's face. That, but it's very clear that the, the final shot is of, of Hitler as a baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what stops him. That it, it's almost like it's, it's this reckoning of, like, at one point in time, Hitler was pure, too. Mm-hmm. And it's, he cries at that. He stops shooting and cries at the notion of that, about what is it that, that changed Hitler into this monster? What was it? Where did it go from being a baby, a, a pure... Uh, entity to being a monster. And I I feel like to an extent he's kind of reckoning with that because in that moment, he's, uh, Floria is pure violence. He is shooting Mm -hmm. Hitler with with no remorse. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if it's that reckoning of like, I just just did this. I just did this violent act too. Mm -hmm. Do I want to remain that violent do i want to stay consumed by this sense of violence or am i able to stop like what what does the rest of the world have for me i think it's it's kind of a a duality of that of like you know uh, evil evil isn't always there evil comes to be for for whatever reason and how do we stop how do we stop that rise of evil and do we stay on that path ourselves? I don't, I don't know exactly, but I think mm. it's, I think it's a, a very telling moment uh, in the movie that that's, that's why he stops is that, that, that image. Yeah. Well, I think judging by the, how the movie ends with this last scene, I think yeah. the movie makes it clear what Floria has chosen to do. Yeah. Um, which I guess I, I won't reveal that part about what yeah. he decides to do, but um I mean, over like so. You had a guest on your Let's Talk About show. I, is it Darren Hines? Yeah. So him and I have it, were talking about this movie on Twitter, and he said, "What did he say?" He said, "People argue about whether it's a war movie or a horror movie, and while people argue about it, it's quietly the best of both genres." And I sort yeah. of agree. With that, it's it's the, like, and you could you also argue that every war movie is basically an anti-war movie. I think this is the most anti-war movie you could possibly ever see. And on on a scale of horror, and not you know in the in the traditional sense of of a, a horror movie, like it's it's also low key the best horror movie ever made, yeah. um, based on its content and. Um, I don't know what else I can really add to our discussion about this movie other than the fact that um, if you do decide to watch it, it is, it's going to drain you mm-hmm. emotionally. Like, just yeah. be prepared for that. Um, but I, at the same time, like, I, like we, you know, I talked about it through our chats that I didn't stop thinking about this movie for weeks. Like, yeah. every, every minute of my day was consumed by images from this movie and thinking about what I experienced 
And so on, on that level, I, I, I just, I can't recommend this movie enough. I actually yes. like days after I watched it, I just like, I went to Criterion's website and just bought the Blu-ray um, yeah. immediately. And um, I, I mean, I, I, this movie gets my highest recommendation. I, I can't promise you that you'll want, ever want to watch it again. Right. Um, but I, I do think you will, you will never, ever forget experiencing it. Um, they, they, uh, some, some like film Institute overseas had a screening of this and in the audience was a, a an actual ma- a man who survived. Uh, he was a Belarusian man who survived the similar events of world war two. And, you know, he, he got up and said some stuff about how he, uh, survived and they asked him how you know like well how how similar are the events in the film to what you experienced and he said i assure you what happened in real life was much much worse yeah and that just to me knowing what i saw in this film and what this gentleman said i can't imagine how horrific it was yeah. to go through and uh it speaks to the power of the film and to maybe the power of the violence perpetrated by, you know, real life people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's arbitrary of course, to kind of rank movies. Uh, it's, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, we kind of do it for the, the sake of like, you know, putting this, this importance on things, but I, it's hard for me not to say that I feel like this is the best movie we've talked about so far. Um, I, I feel like this, this, we've talked about some really great movies too, but I feel yeah. like there's, there's something about this film that has such an, uh, an important place in, in, in cinema history. And, mm-hmm. and it just, it, it tells such an important story and the the way that it's told and the way that it's just it it envelops you it's not like it doesn't completely feel like you are sitting back at a distance watching this movie yeah it feels like it grabs you and pulls you into the story mm-hmm. so that you're right there yeah too um and, and there's no flashy camera work no or anything you know like it's, it's shot in like you know four by three uh Mm -hmm. frame and it's just like you're just you're right there uh, all the way and i think a lot of it has to do with the performance of this young kid who's who like well you know like the the cover of the criterion arts is famously like the picture of this kid worn down and as you make your way through the film and the the move we haven't brought it up yet but there's a lot of like um would you call them fourth wall breaking shots or close-ups i i don't know what but like the characters are clearly staring at you right um and they're they're clo- there's close-up shots but these close-up shots of floria gradually you know like his face deteriorates yeah as the film uh progresses and the, the last shot of his face at the very end of the movie you're like your his face is your soul yeah you know like that's what i got out of it and um <sighs> I don't know. It's yeah, it's a soul crushing movie. You know, yeah, like it really I'm, is. I'm I'm glad you brought up his face because I wanted to talk about that for a second because the thing with it is is if you once you watch it one time through, like the the first time you watch it, you watch that deterioration and it's you forget how he looked at the beginning of the film. You do yeah, yeah. He, because you've watched him just uh, get older, get beaten 
get destroyed. Like you just watch him crumble. So to go back and watch this a second time and to see him appear on screen, like within the first couple minutes of the movie as a kid playing war on the, on the beach, like it, it really, it impacts you all over again. Uh, mm-hmm. where you just get to see, you, you know where this kid is going to end up and mm-hmm. how this kid is going to uh, change so much over the course of this film. Um, yeah, this is, this is a, a, a seminal work. This is something that I cannot recommend highly enough. Uh, plan on it, though. Like, if you, if you decide that you want to watch this, I feel like this is something that, you, you need to prepare yourself for and give yourself some time to, to work into it and give mm-hmm. yourself some time to come out of it because yeah. it's going to stick with you. And watch it in one setting. This is a yeah. movie that I don't think you can break up and take a break from. Otherwise, the powers... Well, I mean, it's a pretty powerful movie. If, if you yeah. take a break and come back, it might just pull you back in. Yeah. But, you know, living in this movie is the best way to, to, to watch it and deal with it. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you'll regret it. I, I too, like, no. this is a, like, I rarely ever rate a movie five stars, especially after watching it once. But I yeah. went to my letterbox and it was a five star immediately. Um, I, I agree with you. I think this is the best movie we've talked about. And it, it potentially could be the best movie we talk about on this show. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's one of those movies where, like, people, and I sort of saw, like, this change happen uh, this past May and June when the, the film came out on, um, you know, a physical release, um, film Twitter kind of like started buzzing about it. And there was yeah. a lot of memes about it. You could like the uptick in my, at least my, my friends on Letterboxd, you know, I could see people were watching it. And a lot of those ratings are four and a half, five stars. Um, and it's sort of almost like people are becoming aware of films like this because of Criterion and the good work that they're doing. Um, and I, I, in, our, in, our, in our group chat with our friends, I sort of made a comment like, I think Come and See is going to start making some best of all time lists now because people are finally starting to see it. And um, if you haven't watched it yet, you're in luck because I think the Blu-ray is a 4K scan or a 2K yep. scan. I can't remember, but I watched it on the channel and it's, it's gorgeous on the channel. Yeah. So I, I think you're, you're going to get the best, the best presentation that you can get. And um, I think this is going to be one of like the newly discovered classics that people have not seen yet. And uh, boy, oh boy, they're, they're in for it. But yeah. um yeah, I, I, I don't. I think this is just the highest recommendation we can give it. You know, we, we're both giving it five stars. I think. Yeah. Yep. Um, just a masterpiece. Yeah, hands down a masterpiece. This is this is one of the reasons why I am continually continually glad that the Criterion Collection exists because yeah. uh, this allows these kind of films to find a way out to wider audiences who you know once once people get their eyes on it they can yeah. just see how uh incredible and magnificent these works yeah. are uh yeah an a, absolute utter masterpiece uh, yeah. i don't use that term lightly um this is this is uh this is one of the greats uh yeah. without without question i so. agree i I've, I've been making a list of movies that um our local state theater that's opening up at some point in the future here 
Yeah. Um, I'm making a list of like dream screenings. Yeah. And this was the very first movie that I put on my list. If, um, if, but I, uh, I hope at some point they just, and I'm not, I'm not here to speak ill of them yet, obviously, right. but I just, I hope they take chances on, on, on films. I hope yeah. this is one that they play at some point. Cause seeing this on the big screen is a dream of mine at this point. Yeah. So if, uh, <sighs> if we have, if we have people listening to this that are able to uh, make that decision, you don't have to do it right away because nope. I know you've nope. got to find your footing first. Yep. Yep. Uh, I, somewhere yep. down the road. If, if, uh, this was ever a topic of conversation. Uh, know for sure that you have two people who will uh, promote the hell out of it and, yep. and certainly be there, uh, rain or sleet or snow, with with uh, uh, yep. every intention of, of just absorbing this entire thing. Probably leaving in a puddle of tears uh, and, and broken spirit, but uh, just so glad to have the opportunity to see it in that kind of presentation. Yeah. So. D- double feature idea, come and see, followed by Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll, that'll turn everything around. <laughs> I, I, I think so. I, I think there's a possibility there. So, um, yeah, th- I, again, I, highest recommendation. This is one yeah. of the all-time great films that I've I've seen I'm I'm no expert but I this movie crushed me in the best possible way yeah and um I I cannot recommend this movie enough this is an incredible experience yeah and that that was our discussion do you have, do you have anything else you want to touch upon before we we wrap that up I, I don't because yeah. my uh, chest literally hurts yeah. from talking yeah. about I, this movie. So Yep, I get that. Uh, yeah. But that was our discussion of uh, Alem Klemov's Come and See from 1985. Uh, it is in the Criterion Collection proper. It has a physical release, but it is also on the channel. And as we both said, uh, you would be doing yourself a disservice to miss this film and that's mm-hmm. going to wrap up our discussion on this uh blake so we're going to take we're going to take another short criterion break before we come back at it and we are and we are, there are but yeah for a good cause right yes yes there are some great reasons for this and blake i will have you uh <laughs> tell the people what those reasons are yes yeah, so uh i uh if you happen to love horror movies uh, I, I co-host a horror podcast for the Backlot 605 network uh, called The Killer Countdown. And um, my co-host and I, Casey, have decided to sort of uh, end this iteration of the, the, uh, the show. And we are launching a different uh, horror podcast uh, in October called Slash Lot. Um, and sending off Killer Countdown in style, we are going to do a live show for um, Supercon. Supercon is going all digital this year, all online. I believe it's called Supercon Line, Um, and we've been asked to do a live show for it, Um, and we are going to do uh, the top 20 horror films of the 1980s. for me, the 80s horror are the best. Uh, you get a, a smattering of choices of types of genres, whether it's slasher or ghosts or... Um, 
<laughs> so uh social uh horror i was thinking of society in my head that's why i started to laugh <laughs> but um um so uh, myself uh casey and our new co-host sam lens sam um, lens along with uh, yours truly, uh, Andy Heller, of this show, we are going to all make a, a list of the best horror films of the, tw- of the 1980s, and we're picking the top 20. And so um, basically, the reason why we're pushing off our next episode of The Criterion Break is because we want to give ourselves uh, enough time to sort of screen uh, the, the, uh, maybe some underseen films or the, uh, what we think are the best and just sort of get some rewatches in before this show, um, I believe uh, this is taking place the first weekend in October, which I think is the fourth and the fifth. And uh, if you, just pay attention to our social media accounts. We'll sort of promote it when we know more information. Um, but um, yeah, I, I'm really excited to do this. Um, we just did our Arnold Schwarzenegger Stallone uh, countdown last weekend or two weekends ago, whenever this show uh eventually makes its way online. Yeah. And uh, we had such a fun time doing that, that we are gonna do uh, this live show again. And uh, we're super excited to have you on because you have such a breadth of knowledge um, in terms of the genre. And uh, you, we know that you love it as well and that you're gonna go in with it with um, maybe some vengeance of some kind. I don't know. <laughs> you, seem, you seem pretty upset that I, I played Predator so low, but... Um, <laughs> That's okay. Well, yeah, like I, I, I love these these countdowns. I love these uh, uh, kind of where where we have we're competitive competitively uh, collaborating to create this list, and uh, it is it's a lot of fun to hear what other people choose, but it's a lot of fun when there's some disagreement in those choices, mm-hmm. and uh, I have a feeling that this one might be a contentious uh, 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 list, but I think it'll be a, a, a contentious list with a lot of fun and, yeah. and good good spirits behind it. Um, and yeah, I, I think we want to kind of give ourselves uh, enough time to kind of, you know, catch up on things that we've missed that we feel uh, might deserve a viewing and to kind of rewatch some things that we love just to see where those movies deserve to be. Uh, so yeah, so September and the beginning of October will be uh, kind of uh, uh, geared towards doing that list as much justice as possible. So uh, I would say definitely keep your eyes on social media, on Backlot605, on Fat Dude Digs Flicks, uh, on Supercon, uh, on the South Dakota film community, anywhere around here that uh, we talk about movies so that you can kind of stay up to date as to where that project is going to uh, be able to be seen because mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm really excited for it. Yeah. And then we'll be back. Uh, I, we obviously haven't set a date yet, right. but we'll be back middle of October and we're going to yep. do criterion horror and um, we're excited to do that. We haven't fully fleshed out exactly what we are going to do. I, I, I'd imagine it's going to include some physical and uh, some physical titles that we both like, and then yeah. we'll see what Criterion announces for their channel and probably uh, talk about some movies that we love that they added and some movies that maybe we're looking forward to that we haven't seen yet. Um, but we'll figure that out uh, here in the next few weeks. 
yeah so that way when we we come back we've got something good for you uh and kind of a way to to celebrate both our our love of criterion but also our love of horror and uh kind of what what that uh entails in the criterion mm-hmm. collection so uh i'm excited for that it'll be nice to take another little break but but don't worry we will be back full steam ahead as soon mm-hmm. as that comes yep. so blake where can people find you and your work online like I said, I, I co-host the criteria, or criteria, I do host, you do. I, you don't go with that, yeah. <laughs> um, I co-host uh, Killer Countdown uh, on Backlots Network, and like I said, we're, we're moving into what's called, what we're calling Slash Lot, um, that starts in October, uh, and then uh, as far as that, you can find me on Twitter, I'm starting to do more movie posts on Twitter, um you can find me i believe my handle is blake g5150 um i don't have very much followers i don't post too much but i do try to do a lot uh, more movie stuff uh and then i'm on letterboxd uh i review everything i watch not like terribly long reviews but i do rate and review everything i watch my handle on letterboxd is the real john g all lowercase um Otherwise, that's probably it. I, and I do post on the uh, South Dakota Film Community group on Facebook. Uh, not as much as I used to, but I'm still there reading every post. So yeah. I am in there. Yeah, and I think I think everyone, if you're listening to this, you should certainly join the South Dakota Film Community Group. Uh, it is a lot of fun. We have uh, some really good discussions from time to time just about you know what we've been watching or what we're interested in, so kind of join in the conversation there. Um, you can find my stuff online at Fat Dude at Digs Flicks. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, trying to review i'm getting a little bit better about my written reviews but they're kind of way out of the order that i've watched them so occasionally i'll go back and review something that i watched a few months ago or something that i watched last night uh but certainly follow follow me there i'm trying to uh get back in the rhythm of posting pretty regularly. Uh, Also, subscribe to this podcast. This is the Fat Dude Digs Flicks Network that includes the Let's Talk About podcast, uh, where I sit down with a friend or interesting person uh, to discuss their life and a movie that has kind of helped shape their life uh, that they, you know, either have a, a, a real admiration for, or has made an impact on what they do. Uh, that's what I do on let's talk about. And you can also get this, the criterion break with Andy, Andy and Blake. Uh, you can just subscribe on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher radio, anywhere your pods can be caught. And I think that is going to do it for this episode. So we will, uh, certainly make sure that you know when we are back up and running here at the criterion break uh but make sure that in the meantime you check out backlot 605 the slash lot for the uh uh 1980s horror countdown uh yeah and for that and for my wonderful co-host blake ginnathan we will see you as soon as humanly possible You've been listening to The Criterion Break with Andy.